Coming up, it's Tech Tuesday. We have all the headlines from the world of technology you need to know, including Microsoft, SoundCloud, Disney, and so much more. Stick around. It's all coming up for you right now. Greetings, everyone. Today is Tuesday, August 15th, 2017. I'm Sean Jennings, and you're listening to the Coffee and Beer Radio Network. It's Tech Tuesday, which means we have all the week's headlines from the world of technology you need to know. Let's go ahead and dive into our first story. First up, a rather uncomfortable back and forth this week between Consumer Reports and Microsoft. Earlier, Consumer Reports removed the Microsoft Surface computers from their recommended picks due to reliability issues based on a survey they conducted of 90,000 tablet and laptop owners. They found roughly 25% of Surface users have encountered issues by the end of the second year of ownership. Now, Microsoft dismissed those ratings last week and said, no, that's not really true. We had a little bit of issue initially, but now everything is good to go. Well, a leaked internal memo from Paul Thurot came out and said that, actually, yeah, they had issues. Return rates for the Surface Book hit around 17% during launch and remained above 10% for six months, which is high. Surface Pro 4 reached around 16% during launch. Surface Pro 3 with 11% during launch. Now, all of those have been on the decline over time, but the Surface Book has suffered consistently higher return rates than any other Surface product throughout the nearly two years it has been on sale. Now, the biggest reason for these reliability issues is because Microsoft went ahead and built a lot of custom drivers and software for the Surface Books they didn't use on other Windows computers that interacted poorly with Intel's Skylake chipsets. This caused a lot of blue screens, driver crashes, and docking issues for the Surface computers. Now, Microsoft believes it has fixed those issues and that return rates will decrease over the next 12 months. Consumer Reports only does an annual survey, so we'll see how they respond next year. In a legal brief filed this week, a group of high-profile technology companies asked the Supreme Court to consider the privacy implication of warrantless law enforcement access to cell phone location data. Now, the Supreme Court recently agreed to hear the case Carpenter v. United States, which centers on whether law enforcement can obtain electronic location information without a warrant if that information is held by a third party like Apple or Google or Facebook. The brief was signed by companies including Apple, Facebook, Google, Airbnb, and Dropbox, who jointly said that, quote, they believe the court should refine the application of certain Fourth Amendment doctrines to ensure that the law realistically engages with the internet-based technologies and with people's expectations of privacy in their digital data. Now, the Carpenter in Carpenter v. United States is Timothy Carpenter, who is represented by the ACLU. He was convicted on robbery charges after investigators obtained location information on him without a warrant. The ACLU says the Supreme Court is expected to hear arguments beginning this fall. It's a last-minute reprieve from the execution chair. SoundCloud announced this week they finally received the funds they need to stay in business. Billboard magazine reports the exact amount of the investment is $169.5 million, which makes it the largest financing round in the history of SoundCloud. But with that money comes a stipulation Alex Leung will step aside as CEO and be replaced by former Vimeo leader Kerry Trainer, who will also bring a new COO. When asked about his vision for the company, new CEO Trainer told Billboard that he will endeavor to pay greater attention to the creators, which includes developing a robust creative toolkit for SoundCloud's unlimited service in hopes of attracting even more musicians to pay for its upper tier subscription. Quote, millions of creators chose these tools to share their work with the world, and that will remain at the focus and center of the company, said Trainer. 
Here we have another court story, this one with the Walt Disney Company. A federal class action lawsuit was filed last week in California alleging Disney for violating privacy protection laws by collecting children's personal information from 42 of its apps and sharing the data with advertisers without parental consent. Now, the lawsuit targets Disney and three software companies, Upsite, Unity, and Kochava, alleging that the companies created mobile apps aimed at children that contained embedded software to track, collect, and then export their personal information, along with information about their online behavior. The plaintiff, a San Francisco woman named Amanda Rushing, said she was unaware that information about her child was collected while playing mobile game Disney Princess Palace Pets, and that data was then sold to third parties for ad targeting. Now, the class action suit says it violates the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, or COPA, which was enacted by Congress in 1999 designed to protect the privacy of children online. The important piece of COPA is that it requires companies designing apps for children under the age of 13 to obtain consent from parents before collecting personal information, something reportedly Disney did not do in this case. And our final story, could you get a gold medal? In Pac-Man? Do people still play Pac-Man? It was announced this week that they are trying to make video games an Olympic sport. Now, this story kicked off when Tony Estengit, co-president of the Paris Olympic Committee, said he planned to hold talks with eSports official and the International Olympic Committee about adding the competitive video game uh, events to the Olympic Games. Now, it's not the first time video games have been part of a large national sporting event, the Asian Games, which is a pan-continental multi-sport event held every four years within Asia, have confirmed esports as a demonstration event in 2018, and at the 2022 Asian Games, will have full medal status. Now, in 2006, uh, Ted Owen, founder of the Global Gaming League, held talks with the Chinese government to introduce video games as a demonstration sport in the 2008 Summer Games in Beijing, although those efforts ultimately didn't pay off and it wasn't included. Now, the International Olympic Committee, or IOC, is a bit more skeptical. Uh, the IOC president, Thomas Bach, was quoted in April as saying, We are not yet 100% clear whether esports is really a sport with regard to physical activity and what it needs to be considered a sport. We do not see an organization or a structure that will give us confidence or guarantee that in this area, the Olympic rules and values of sport are respected and in place, and that the implementation of those rules are monitored and secured. Now, there's a bit of a ways to go. No decision yet. Um, the earliest they could possibly be included in the games would be the Paris Olympics in 2020. Well, that's all the time we have for this Tech Tuesday. Be sure to come back next Tuesday for even more headlines from the world of technology. And be sure to come back tomorrow for One Hit Wonder Wednesday, where we go behind the scenes of some of the best one hit wonders you know and love. This week, Dexy's Midnight Runners with Come On Eileen. It's going to be a great episode. You're not going to want to miss it. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow. You're listening to the Coffee and Beer Radio Network, serving up the best in movies, TV, tech, music, and more, five days a week on our Anchor Station at anchor.fm slash coffeeandbeer and wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Coffee and Beer Radio.